Hello and welcome to another interview on givingcircleshelp.com where we're interviewing people from around the country who are running their own giving circles and our purpose is to learn from each other so we can improve our ability to make an impact with our giving. And today I'm excited to be speaking with Bronwyn Belling of the Anne Arundel Women Giving Together. Bronwyn, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Sharon. Would you start by giving us an overview of your giving circle? Sure. Uh, Anne Arundel Women Giving Together is a fund of the Community Foundation of Anne Arundel County, and we're uh, near Annapolis, Maryland. And we're a giving circle that's now six years old. We were started in 2005, made our first contributions in 2006 from the members, and it really grew from one visionary, uh, Sharon Stewart, who started the organization, uh, and now we're over 200 members strong. Um, We make grants to nonprofits in the community that support the topics of health and welfare, education, and prevention of violence and abuse. And we're very proud to have awarded over $400,000 now in grants to the local nonprofit community to improve the quality of life for women and families in our area. Yeah, it's really amazing. You've had some fantastic growth from where you started. Um, and, and you started as a, as a pretty substantial giving circle, um, and you've grown to 200 members, donating over $100,000. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that growth. Well, it really has been mostly by word of mouth. Um, we, as I said, our one visionary got a group of dozen women together at her kitchen table, and they approached the community foundation, asked to them to be our fiduciary parents. So there are 501c3 tax-exempt organization. And then it was really a group of 40 of us that joined in the first year, and then we told other friends we have had a little bit of local publicity, but I think by and large when we survey our members, we have just grown steadily over the years, and um, and now we're up to over 200 members. Mm-hmm. And what have you found has changed for you as you've grown from, grown to 200 members? Well, you know, we we always struggle with how whether there's a point at which we would be too big. We we really appreciate the networking and the interaction that occurs between members and how we all inf- inform ourselves to be better grant makers. We host four educational sessions each year and a couple of membership receptions and then we f- uh also focus on announcing the New Year's grantees and recognizing the grantees from the year before. So miraculously, we've just been able to steadily grow the group. We each contribute um, $550 a year to this fund, and $50 covers our administrative expenses, and $500 goes directly to grants. So we... uh, I think the networking and the education that we've done in the community has really helped us reach out to a a lot of caring and compassionate women in our community. Mm-hmm. So could you tell us a little bit about your events um, and what you do every year? Yeah, we um, we feel that besides our grant making, that a lot of the work that we do is really the education piece is very important. We um, we want to be informed about the issues, emerging issues in our county, and pressing needs. So we bring in uh, we have a education committee. We're led by about a twenty five member steering committee that's all volunteer. Um, we have eight standing committees, including one on education, and they help us identify through our members annual member survey topics of interest. And uh, for example, 
last year, one of the members approached us about a subject of human trafficking, which I wasn't even aware of as an issue in my community. I'd heard about international problems with ch- child uh, human trafficking, mm-hmm. but um, she uh, advised us that it was a problem right here at our own Baltimore, Washington International Airport, and that led to putting together a panel of speakers. And in fact, this year we were able to fund a, a Baltimore-based nonprofit that's going to be doing public awareness and outreach about this terrible hidden problem right in our own community. Mm-hmm. So education is really a, a centerpiece in our work. It, we've helped, we, we see it as a way to help make us become better uh, individual philanthropists and to help us be better grant makers as a group. Mm-hmm. So this member came up with this idea of, you know, our giving circle should learn more about human trafficking. Right. And then the education committee took that idea, and, and, and how did they share it with the group? Well, they research who, uh, what, what resources we have in the community, who might be a good speaker. We try to have panels where typically where we have a national, someone representing the issue from a national point of view, from, you know, a thousand feet up, and then we... Tr- we do our best to bring in local nonprofits or uh, public uh, agency experts, and we've had a whole variety of different education sessions. They've really run the gamut. But um, you know, we we're just uh, in the fall and November are hosting a education center session about the needs in the community. Our community foundation underwrites uh, an annual needs assessment, and so the results of that study are going to be published and announced at our November meeting. Mm -hmm. So there are always plenty of topics to engage us in the the work and help us uh, learn more about the needs in the the community. And has your education efforts, have they increased as your size increased, or have they stayed pretty similar? Well, we've kept the sessions this, about the same. Um, we don't meet during the summer, and we take the um, December off just because everybody's busy with other holiday events. Mm-hmm. And then we find if we have a couple of membership events every year, that leaves us with about four educational topic sessions during the year. One of those, we focus on ourselves, women as leaders. And this past year, we hosted a luncheon for about... 20 uh, giving circles in our region. So we brought together the leaders of other giving circles and had a half-day, a little mini-conference about best practices and some of our shared issues and how we could collaborate more together in cooperation with the Association of Baltimore Area Grant Makers. That's another uh, Baltimore-based group that serves as sort of a host to uh, regional giving circles. So that was great to learn from other women on different giving circles from I think five or six states and the District of Columbia were represented. So it was we had about seventy five women there and we've just learned so much from that everybody else is walking in man, many of the same paths and that we could exchange a lot of good information with one another. Mm-hmm. Mhm. Absolutely. So another a challenge or new opportunity that you've had as a giving circle as you've grown is the opportunity to create an endowment. Could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, about two years ago, uh, one of our members approached the Community Foundation and asked to make a, a large anonymous donation to the giving circle. It was a $25,000 
donation. And her wish was that the funds be used for grants, but they, they, that they not be used all at once. And she didn't have any particular issue of, or interest area where she felt the, the money needed to go. She felt it should go where it was needed the most. And so the then-president, and I was vice president at the time, we reached out to many other giving circles and asked what their experience had been if anybody had received a large gift of this magnitude in the past. And virtually all of them, I think we talked to six or seven other giving circle leaders, um, said if they got that kind of gift or if they had it to do over again, they would create an endowment fund. So we worked with the Community Foundation to look into that, and the donor was excited about this possibility. So we set up the fund so that... um, it really creates an enduring, lasting fund that will continue in perpetuity for the giving circle. So it gives us a larger, uh, or sort of more stable future for the helping women and families in this community. And we set, she, the donor set it up with a challenge so that no funds could be used from the endowment until the $25,000 was matched. And so over the last year, after the, um, endowment fund was announced, we were fortunate enough to indeed match the 25000 with another 25000 So this year, uh, 5% of that fund um, makes a contri- is, is distributed to the grants fund. So a, a $2,500 contribution was made to our grants. Um, the advantage that we see to the endowment fund, well, there are many, but this, for one thing, I think importantly, this allows us to keep our membership rates low to keep our individual contribution to $550, but to allow people who have the capacity and the interest in giving more money to give to the endowment fund to really secure the endowment fund's future. Mm-hmm. So we're very excited about this new possibility, this new fund and, and the promise that it holds. Over time, it could actually generate as much money as the individual award, grant awards that we're making now. So as it grows, it will just ensure the future of the Giving Circle in, you know, indefinitely. And that's interesting. I didn't think about that as an advantage, but I, I think it's great that keeping it at $500 is it's very accessible for most people. Right. And for people who want to do more, here is a way for them to yes. do it. And for men, uh, you know, some of the husbands and men, significant others of our members have wanted to contribute. So this is another way that they can contribute to the endowment fund. Also, corporate. We haven't really explored uh, corporate donations, but we do occasionally get them. So this is and friends of the community, people who live outside of the area who want to give. This would be a you know a fund that they could donate to. We also are getting gifts in honor of special occasions, people's birthdays, anniversaries, that kind of thing. Mm. So it's a lovely way to recognize a friend um, and to know that the money is really going back into the community to help ensure the quality of life for everyone in this uh, you know in the area where we live. That's fantastic. Now, this kind of opportunity was presented to you because you had a member who wanted to do a large gift. Mm-hmm. If that weren't the case, um, do you think you would, you know, now knowing the benefits, is this something that you guys would want to, or would it, would you advise another giving circle of thinking about creating an endowment? Oh, sure. I mean, I think it's always wise to have another pot of funds that, you know, help support the mission of the organization. Um you know, we were created at a time um, when we look back now that there were a lot of cuts to federal and state funding to local nonprofits. So any way that we can help 
you know, lift up the nonprofit community and make their work easier, I think is great. So I don't know that we would have done it had it not been offered to us, but um, in my research of other giving circles, I know many of some of them typically, more typically start up uh, with a portion of the donation, member's donation each year going to the grants and a portion going to the endowment. So we were a little unique in that we didn't start the endowment fund until we were five years old. Mm -hmm. But we felt it was a good way to grow and expand our reaches. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have another fund development committee that's working on other ways. But we're also mindful that we don't want to dilute ourselves so much that we lose track of the the immediacy of the grants that we make. And, you know, they make so much uh, difference in the lives of the residents of our community. So we, we don't want to give up the grant making as another important piece in our work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so the endowment is really adding to the grants as opposed yes. to another effort. A supplement mm-hmm. to, the, to the grant work. I mean, it, 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 those funds eventually will be distributed into in, for grant-making purposes, but it gives us a little more safety net and in really an enduring way. Um, it's also a way to accept legacy gifts if people want to leave funds uh, through their will to the community found to the giving circle through the community foundation. They can also do that through the the endowment fund. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's really fantastic. So I, I have a, a couple other questions for you. You um, were just mentioning that some of the men and the husbands of your members had wanted to contribute. So. I'm curious, this is, you know, women giving together. Do you exclude men, or do they just not participate like the women do? You know, I'd have to check our bylaws, but I think the giving circle provides that the members are all women. So okay. the only, um, I think that the the women's giving circle was set up, structured that way, so that women would be donors. But we didn't want to discourage other, anyone could donate, I think, to the to the organization and to the fund. So we wouldn't mm-hmm. it wouldn't preclude men donating, but the membership is restricted to to women. Okay, and you've referred to a couple times your an annual member survey, and this is kind of what helps you gauge what to do for the f- next year. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about uh, the logistics of that. When do you do it? What are you asking? Sure. You well, we used results? to do it in paper in the old days. We used to do a paper survey, um, and actually, we t- typically administered that on the day that we voted on our grant decisions because that involves some, we put together a, uh, we solicit proposals, we typically get 20 to 30 to 40 each year, and then we have a review team that reviews proposals and narrows down that selection to the the possible grants that we think will make the best impact. And then we actually present sort of a finalist um, ballot to the members, and the members vote at a meeting. Each of the grants is presented, and then there's tabulation going on. So while that, those decisions are being, uh, the grant decisions are being made, we used to administer this paper survey because we had a captive audience of our members. And we asked uh, the members how they heard about us, what uh, new issues they think we should focus on, if they want to volunteer and, and play a greater role in some sort of service activity. Um, and so early on, it was all done by paper. More recently, we've graduated because of the benefits of technology and are now um, sending it out 
um, uh, posting it on the internet through mm-hmm. SurveyMonkey, which mm-hmm. is a website that lets you um, establish a, a at a very nominal fee, set up an online survey and email it to our members. We have a really uh, robust and wonderful website um, that includes the capacity to do some of this as well. So, But we've been using a third party. And actually, we're moving to Google Drive now to set up an archive for some of our um, materials and history. And I've just learned that Google Drive has a survey function in it. So I'm hoping that this year we can move to the Google Drive format. But it, then it would be emailed out to all the members, and they'll have, uh, I don't know, a two-week or so period in which to uh, reply. And then those results are all tabulated and help inform our decisions. And that's how we uh, decide how what the content areas are for our education sessions in the coming year and how we should handle our women in leadership, looking for suggestions about a women in leadership event, and so on. And it really engages the members. They feel involved in the decision-making, and it's not a top-down organization. We really try to be as transparent as possible and really open up the decision-making so that all of the members really weigh in to help us shape our future. Mm -hmm. And another thing that I like that you're doing in that is you're asking for volunteers. So it seems like a great way to start to foster new leaders of the Giving Absolutely. Circle, too. We actually have a leadership development and nominating committee that focuses on grooming new leaders. It originally was just served as the nominating committee to help us identify officers, you know, in the succeeding years, but we began to realize that we, to, to support the organization, that we would need a more robust capacity and that really developing leaders should go on all year long. So that committee is charged with welcoming, uh, in, in combination with our membership committee, with welcoming new members and hosting um, some pre-sessions at some of these educational sessions for new members and identifying where we have gaps in our committee structures. So we have a lot of volunteer opportunities. We have an annual field trip that we take each year, and this year we went out and worked in the farm that belongs to the human trafficking organization that we funded. They have an old house on 23 acres, and we were able to help um, do some work out in the farm. So we also make lunches once a month, 70 uh, bag lunches for our local homeless shelter, and that's done in the kitchen of one of the members with four or five other members, and we all contribute somewhere around 20 or $25 to a pot, and that covers all the expenses to prepare these bag lunches and take them to the shelter. And we have an annual site visit to one of our grantees where we go out and learn a little bit more about exactly, you know, have a hands-on look at where our funding is going mm-hmm. and uh, how it's making a difference. Last year we visited a new homeless um, health and wellness clinic in the north part of our county, and we underwrote some medications uh, for this clinic, and um, they, they're in combined with a day center where people who are out of work or homeless can look for a job and search on the Internet, and now they're treating people with medical needs through the, um, through the grant that we made and other grants that they've secured. So it was really informative to see the clinic at work and meet with the clinic director and see how our money was really being put to use firsthand. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys have a lot of um, different and interesting projects that you do. So you've, you've mentioned some of the field trips that you've done. You also have this really interesting Share Our Vision project where you have cameras and are training young people to take pictures of their community. And it seems like a great way to really involve your members and your community in projects of philanthropy. How do you decide which projects you're going to start? Is it something that the committees take on? Does a, a member of the Giving Circle step up and say, hey, I want to do this? How does it work? Well, it, it varies. Um, the photography project was really a new one for us, and it involved raising some additional money, which we didn't contemplate at the start, but it was based on our need to want to tell our story better. And because we have the website and we have we have programs for all of our education sessions and so on, we wanted to get some photographs of our grantees. And so we approached a nonprofit in the community that teaches young high school students how to take photographs and asked them to partner with us to, and they travel all over the world, this organization that's called Vision Workshops. But we asked them to work with us locally with the local high school. And they ha- had already recruited some high school students to learn to be photographers. And they're all um, English as a second language students. So we recruited them and raised some money so that they could go out and photograph six of our current and prior grantees. And they did a little photo suite for each grantee. Four or five or six photographs were selected. And then we hung the show in our local, uh, in a local gallery that's a former high school that's now a creative arts center here in the city of Annapolis. And then actually last, just a few weeks ago, the photographs hung at the high school where the students were all juniors last year. So when they came back this fall, we were able to exhibit the photographs um, in the high school to give them the recognition at the local level. So it was a lot of fun. It took some extra time. So we always joke that we have lots of good ideas, but we need to be careful not to take on (laughs) too much that deters us from our primary mission. But it took a little while to raise the money. We had to raise $5,000 to put together the exhibit and frame all the photographs and and um, But it was well worth it, and some of the children and their parents came. And we also involved a language arts students from the high school who um, were in the IB program. They were advanced uh, students, but they were able to write essays about... They went out on the photo shoots with the photographers and the grantees, and they're mentored by former uh, New York Times photographers and National Geographic photographers and have really nice... Uh, digital cameras loaned to them. So they went out, this, the language arts students went out and wrote little essays about each of the photo shoots that accompanied the graphic um, photograph exhibit. So it was a really nice win-win situation. We could teach the children about philanthropy. They could learn more about the needs in their community. The children, the photographers were learning locally about our work. And the grantees benefited by having the right to the photographs for their own use, and we also had the rights to the photographs to put them on our website. So many of them are now featured mm-hmm. on various pages of the web. I love this story because, it, to me, it just shows it, it's it's a beautiful picture of how different giving circles are and how you've looked at something in your community and said, hey, we have this really amazing resource in these photographers. Wouldn't it be mm-hmm. great if we could do this? And And here you put together this really amazing project where everybody gets to benefit and it's right i think it's what giving circles do best i love it 
Good. Well, we had a lot of fun doing it, and we're happy that, you know, the the photographs went back to the students, but we have the rights to them, and the nonprofits can still use them, so it really has lasting benefits for everyone. It was a real win-win-win situation in our view. Mm-hmm. I know that a lot of giving circles really struggle uh, with transitioning leadership that the oftentimes the the people who start the giving circle get stuck Um, and it sounds like you guys have done kind of a good job of fostering new leaders and rotating leadership and I was wondering if you could share any tips or advice for for other giving circles well we get stuck too I have to admit that you know we've had you know our our volunteer structure is set up with chairs and assistant chairs of each committee and the and that was really with a succession planning intention that if someone served as assistant chair one year they would be groomed up to serve as chair the following year but as we all know uh, life intervenes for some people sometimes Mm -hmm. and their circumstances change so we've had situations where people had to continue serving in one capacity or another on our leadership committee uh, on our steering committee for two or three years but we have been fortunate and we've been able to uh, attract new members each year and it just seems that we are we're completely mindful that some people just want to write a check and that's their contribution but that other people really want to do more and we're just trying to create the space for um, our members to to get more engaged we have a monthly book group where we not now it's every other month book group where we're reading non-fiction that pertains to our mission so sometimes people surface through the book group through the lunch making through our volunteer activities so we just are trying to keep an eye on um, you know future leaders and um, so far we've been able to manage to you know grow our organization and refresh our leadership on a pretty steady basis but we used to just that's why we really expanded the nominating committee because in the early years when we were smaller, we just sort of started dealing with nominating about mid-year and had to fill a slate mm-hmm. of officers by the end of the year. But that proved to be difficult sometimes. Everybody's gone for the summer and, you know, all of a sudden you're in the fall. And so that's why we decided to expand this committee to call it leadership development. And really that's why we have a women in leadership event early in the year, again, as a way to sort of surface potential talent and resources and we try to make it easy for people to get more involved we list volunteer opportunities and committee uh, needs on the website and and announce them at our meetings so there's you know we try to work many different ways to reach out to the members we also have a newsletter every other month that goes out electronically and that's another way for us to post uh, our needs and events Um, we also sometimes uh, spotlight a grantee in that newsletter, and, you know, it's another great way to, to reach out to our members. And then they're all archived on the website so people can look back and read through our history as well. Mm-hmm. So what I'm hearing as, as good advice, one, to be engaged with your members. So your newsletters, um, spotlights. I also noticed on your website that you nominate a Giving Circle member as kind of like a, I don't know what it was, like a volunteer of the year or it's kind of a yeah, spotlight. Yeah, we have a Founders Award that we give out to one member that goes above and beyond each year. So that's been a nice way to recognize uh, a member. So engage with them. 
really building strong relationships and interaction, giving them opportunities to lead. So you have chairs and co-chairs or assistant chairs or whatever mm -hmm. it is. So you're giving lots of opportunities for people to step into leadership. Right. And by having this leadership development program, it, to me, it seems like it would appeal to women who really are kind of growing and pushing themselves and wanting to take and in, step into leadership roles, that it's really going to appeal to that part of women who says, yeah, I do, I want to be a leader. I agree. And, you know, especially with the shared vision of the organization, you know, to I worked in Washington, D.C. for 20 years and didn't really have, and traveled nationally and didn't have much time to know very many of my neighbors. And as I approached retirement, this giving circle was presented to me through a friend, and I saw it as a really nice way to meet local women who were caring and compassionate about issues that I cared about. And I just, my un unexpected benefit is that I've developed this whole new sisterhood of 200 women who I probably wouldn't have known otherwise who. Um, you know, I get to spend time with on a regular basis and who care about the things I care about. So it's really been a, an unexpected blessing in my own personal experience to, to be part of that. Mm, that's lovely. Bronwyn, is there anything else you'd like to share about your giving circle that I haven't asked you about yet? No, I w well, I just would like to recognize you for the work you're doing. There aren't too many places where you can learn from other giving circles, and I think the work that you're doing to shine a light on the different approaches that many of these giving circles uh, um, have undertaken is really valuable, and I am very appreciative of your work. Uh, we're happy to help other giving circles. In fact, I'm on my way to lunch with someone from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania that's about to start a circle, and we're trying to share what we've learned. Um, we learned from Baltimore has a bigger giving circle with 300 members, that, um, and they contribute $1,000 a piece. I think they're almost close to 400 members now, so they're about five years old or about twice as old as we are. So we've learned from Baltimore, and we feel it's really important to give it back and pay it forward mm -hmm. to other giving circles around the country. So... I applaud the work that you're doing to further uh, share this information and help us network with one another. Well, I'm inspired by people like you and what can you guys can accomplish. I mean, in in you know five years, you've donated more than four hundred thousand to your community. It's it's yeah. amazing what's possible. It it is it's such a striking example. You know, you think you just write a five hundred dollar check, but when you see how the power of collective philanthropy and how your money is leveraged so much more beyond your individual check and your individual donation. So I'm grateful that this, uh, you know, has been part of my life and I'm really enjoying that, you know, we're able to make this community a better place and, and really make good, solid connections with the nonprofits in our, in our community as well. Well, Bronwyn, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. It was a pleasure talking with you. You're welcome and keep up the good work on your end too. My pleasure. Thank you.